Hello, welcome to the Girl I Slept in My Makeup podcast by three sisters who live in three different states who are excited to talk to each other and also to learn and grow alongside of each of you. Uh, My name is Megan. I'm Kristen. And I'm Lauren. Hi, sisters. Hey. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited today because we have Rachel Burnside on the podcast. Welcome, Rachel. Hi. Happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. So I wanted to intro Rachel. Me and Rachel are actually co-workers at Favor, and I'm super lucky to be able to work with her. But more importantly, I'm super blessed to call her a friend. And there's still so much I don't know about Rachel. So I'm excited to have her on today. A little bit of a background on Rachel. She founded her company, Her Story Lives um, Cosmetics, in 2017 which I have to say, side note, I have a few of the lip um, stains and they're absolutely my favorite. I wear them every day, uh, pretty much every day, unless I'm at home. But honestly, sometimes I put them on at home just to make myself feel better. (laughs) (laughs) And Her Story Lives is a company that is dedicated to educating and supporting women in the areas of mind, body, and soul and business as well, which is really cool. Something I love about Rachel is she is a woman's warrior who enters into battle daily, not only for the women of the past, but also for the women of the present. In her roles of author, speaker, life coach, teacher, and mother, she enlightens, empowers, mentors, and guides women all over the world. So she definitely wears a lot of hats like most of us, um, but she is here today to shine a light and really talk about her personal journey uh, with foster and adoption of her three beautiful babies. Um, So Rachel, that's a huge intro. I'd love to get started and just kind of tell us your background about how you know, the foster and adoption kind of came about. Yeah, sure. My husband and I, we actually met, got married, um, and got engaged all in the same year. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so that's amazing. Our whole, like, relationship was very fast-tracked. Um, and so when I met him, he was working in mental health, and so he actually been working with a lot of children um, in Indiana and Chicago, which is where I'm from, um, that were in the system. And so he's always kind of had a heart – for the system. And he would talk to me about, Hey, like I want to adopt one day. And it was something that I always wanted to do. Um, but we had this plan to try to conceive our own kids first. And then after that adopt. And so we had some difficulty. Um, I thought that I had some infertility issues. And so after going to like several doctors, um, we just were like, well, maybe it's God's plan for us to adopt first. Like, why don't we look into this and maybe we'll carry later. Yeah. And never in a million years did we think that we would fall so much in love, you know, with just the ability to foster kids and then obviously to adopt kids that we would kind of find fulfillment in it. Um, I didn't think that I would, you know, mother three kids th- through this. Originally, yeah. one was the plan. But <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> hey, Rachel, I'm curious. So uh, this is Lauren. Did you guys, when you knew that you wanted to adopt, how did you choose to go the foster adoption route versus, I guess, other options like maybe private adoption? Um, well, the first thing is money. <laughs> right. Uh, Private adoption costs so much, but honestly, there are just so many kids that are right here and you're in our backyards that 
need homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started off saying that we would be open to fostering and to adopting. And so like when you enter um, and get licensed through the state, you can choose. So you can say either I just want to foster, meaning I want to do kind of like maybe like long-term placements, but know that they won't stay with me. Mm-hmm. Or um, I'm interested in adoption, but I'm open to both. And then there are some people that enter and say, like, I only want to adopt. Mm -hmm. Um, You kind of have to decide how you would like to basically help. In the beginning. Um, Okay. Yeah. So we decided that we would foster to adopt. And if any of our foster kids that we, you know, had turned into an adoption, then we would consider it. But since you kind of enter saying that adoption is your ultimate goal, they will basically sign you up for what they call broadcasts. It's kind of sad, but um, there are these broadcasts that go out of like all the kids that are adoptable. Um, and so you, I get them like every day. And it's basically like their whole case. It's pictures. And so you can submit your home study when you see those cases. So there's two ways. You can get a foster kid that's in your home and it's an emergency placement. And then they might terminate rights and then you end up having the ability to adopt or you can submit, you know, for some of those uh, cases that come in and say, hey, I want to throw my hat in the ring, essentially, and mm-hmm. hopefully get picked. So that's wow. kind of where our journey started. Yeah. So and then how did you get to where you are today with three? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Our first um, placement, we had a, a brother and sister placement, and we fostered them for a few months, and they ended up going back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was like, the start of like realizing, okay, this is real. This is hard. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, what was that like? Oh my God. Yeah, that was hard. Um, we had, she was like four months, um, little girl. And then, um, her brother was at the time too. So it was hard, but you know, I watched their bio biological mother really kind of like get her life together. And I felt like it was what was best for them. So yeah. I, you know, I was happy to see them reunited and we actually are still in touch with them so we can see them and talk to them. And so that's kind of like an, a success story, I would say. Yeah. Uh, directly after that placement, um, not, not even 24 hours, we got a call um, for another placement. So then we had our third placement. She came to us with 11 fractures, um, all in different stages of healing. So that was probably the most traumatic placement we'd had. Um, She was only two. And I'll never forget, it was like around Christmas. And um, we had had, we hung stockings for the first two that left. And since we didn't have them anymore, I was like telling my husband, we should take the boy stocking down because now we just have a, a foster daughter. And he was like, no, I think we should leave it up. And literally, it was like nighttime. We're watching TV. And 10 minutes after I said that, we get a call for another placement. <laughs> Whoa. I just got chills. <laughs> so we ended up having a um, foster son and foster daughter. And we had them almost a year. Um, and in that time, we had been getting broadcasts of kids. And we'd probably submitted for about 30 kids saying, like, yes, we'd like to be considered for adoption. And it just so happened um, we ended up getting a call while we had two placements for our now son. So when we got that call, it was almost immediate. We had to go pick him up like a week after we found out we were selected and then kind of bring him to a home that we'd had, you know, two kids there already. And so he got used to them as kind of his brother and sister. Both of those two kids ended up going back home. Um, And we don't talk to the little girl, but the little boy's our godson. So we get him like every other weekend. (laughs) So we kind of parent with him. But um, that was how we got our first adoption. Um, Wow. And for a little while, 
we had him by himself. And then um, we decided to submit for our girls about seven months ago. So, And how old was your son at that time when you submitted? Um, Our son, well, he was two when we got him. And so now he's four. Okay. Um, He'll actually be five in April. You're so cute. So cute. (laughs) Do you mind sharing your son's name? Yeah, my son's name is Elijah. Oh, so cute. And uh, my daughter's names are Savannah and Kensley. And so they're they're biological sisters. Um, We actually will finalize their adoption um, in April. Okay. Can't wait. I know. That's so exciting. I know that we have a close family friend who has also gone through this adoption of foster to adopting. And so I know that, you know, it can be a roller coaster of just time and emotions of getting to the point of actually getting the, you know, the adoption to go through. But um, what has that kind of process, I guess, with your son, and if you're able to speak to your daughters, I don't know if you are legally yet, but um, just kind of, if you don't mind sharing the time frame and if it was a roller coaster and just what all kind of went into that process, just like, uh, I guess, emotionally as well as the logistics of it. Yeah. So, um, you picked the right question because we, <laughs> if there was a roller coaster, we definitely were on it, um, for our son. Um, the way that it's supposed to happen is when you're selected for adoption, usually, um, the biological parents' rights have been terminated and they've exhausted all options okay. um, in terms of family. So they're realizing like what's best for this child is non-related adoption and now we're, we're seeking that. Um, what the truth was is when he was placed in our home, they hadn't turn, terminated the rights yet. They knew that they were going to because both of his bio parents were incarcerated. Mm. Um, and then he didn't have any family that like kind of, either presented themselves or were up to the standards of the state to take him. Okay. Um, so what ended up happening is they terminated the rights a week after he was placed with us. And so we're on this like emotional high of like, it's all over. He's our son. Like, this is what we've been praying for. Right. Um, and then what ended up happening is um, one of his parents started contesting from prison, mm-hmm. uh, basically contesting his, his rights being revoked. And there was really no purpose, if I'm honest, because there wasn't anything that he could do. Um, and he's, he's still incarcerated. But it really is just like a, a way to kind of make things difficult. Because legally, they have to like, respond to the contest. Right. Yeah. So it ended up taking a year. Uh, you're oh, supposed man. to take six months. Six months is the, the time that you're supposed to have the children in your home before you can actually legally adopt. Okay. Um, so we had passed that that time period and it ended up being over a year and Megan can tell you I was like yeah um because it was just there was a point in time where he was contesting and then now this random cousin came forward and said that they wanted you know to take him he had no knowledge of any biological family because he was actually born in prison um so it was just it was a whole fight yeah (laughs) Yeah. really hard and really scary um especially when you like kind of tell yourself, okay, this is it. And then you, it, you think maybe it could be taken away. Yeah. yeah, Can't imagine. Um, but what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to, you know, kind of be past that, um, stage already. The, the kids come in your home, you have them for six months and then it's pretty easy. And so, um, that's, what's been happening with our girls. It's been a very simple and seamless process. Um, that's and good. So, yeah, it, I mean, it can happen that way. So I don't want to like 
scare everyone off that's interested. Well, and to back up a little bit on if somebody is interested, since you mentioned that, like, how did you first get started? Did you have anybody in your life that gave you advice or did you just start like looking things up of like, where do I go to start this? Yeah. So we started um, looking things up and we knew we wanted to have an agency. You can get licensed and not have an agency and just straight go straight through the state. But agencies definitely advocate for you um, and they, they help you. They help to make sure that like your home is in order and all the different things that you need to be in compliance like happen. Um, and whenever a kid is, is needing placement, they will contact the different agencies and the agencies sometimes know like, Hey, I know a family that would be great for this, this kid. So that was just the route that we chose. And we just looked at the different agencies and picked the one that we felt like was more in alignment with our family. Um, you can see the different requirements that the agency has to get licensed. And then you can also see what the state requirements are. So some agencies will have requirements that the state doesn't have. And that, that can deter people. Um, gotcha. Ironically, my agency is the agency that um, the guy that owns it, Megan, is familiar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I told them. Yeah, so yeah. her agency is the same agency that placed our nephew. Um, yeah, with Brian and Brandy. So small so world. Cool. It's a yeah. small world. <laughs> Shout out to James Mercer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yay to Mercer. Is he out of Thank Houston you. or Dallas? He's out of Austin. Oh. Yeah, yeah but he has offices. <laughs> offices in Houston and Dallas, so he covers um, that the whole area. But he, he Got lives, it. Yeah. And how old are your girls? Um, so my oldest daughter is five, and then my youngest daughter is three, and my son oh. is four and will be five. So it's almost like I have twins because yeah. my son and daughter are both in pre-K. Um, funny story. So my daughter was born the day after my husband and I got married, like same year. Oh, oh so wow. we were like saying I do when she was born. Oh, <laughs> that's so cool. Um, so I have a kind of question that about, I guess the difference. So my husband and I, we actually, we have an eight year old boy and we've, I've always, I've just always had a heart for babies, but, um, we recently started considering adoption as well. And we haven't kind of, we have a lot of more research and discussions to have, but I am curious and let me know if you can kind of speak to just on the, you mentioned the financial aspect, the private adoption route, obviously, um, is a lot more expensive from what I understand. Can you speak to the kind of financial aspect of it? If whenever you do foster a child, like what I just kind of know a little bit from our family friend, I think she gets, I don't know if it's reimbursement or if you get a certain amount just for the basic needs. And then also, and that's probably differs state to state, I would imagine, but we're, we're speaking to Texas, but um, can you speak to kind of the financial differences between the two? Yeah. Um, So I don't know exactly how much it costs for private adoption. I just know that it can be a lot. And I think the the thing that most people find appealing about private adoption is the fact that you can get, usually get the baby when they're born. And I think there's this misconception that that can't happen um, with, in the foster system, you'd be surprised how many infants are out there or how many calls I've even gotten of like, 
women that are in the hospital about to give birth and they know that the baby has to be taken. Okay. Um, so it's not true that you can't have an infant in terms of the, the, what it costs. So the things that you have to get for licensing are fairly, I mean, affordable, I'd say. Um, so like you have to get like a fire extinguisher, for example, things that you have to do to your house, you have to right. cover and it's not reimbursable, but that really isn't that much. And then, um, once you have a placement, you get a stipend every month to assist with them while they're considered a foster child. Okay. Um, no matter what, they're a foster kid for at least six months before the adoption's final. So you right. get that. Um, and then once you adopt, there is, um, you have to pay for the lawyer, but there is reimbursement for the lawyer. Okay. And then in addition for the rest of their, uh, well, until they're 18, they get, a, you get a stipend every month for them as well. Uh, it's a little bit less than what it is for fostering. It's like half. Okay. So I think the, the standard is like 800 a month. And then when you adopt, it's 400. And then something else to note, I think it's important, especially for people that live in Texas is, um, kids that are adopted in Texas get college for free. Oh, wow. wow. So if my kids decide they want to get a PhD, as long as they go to a public school in Texas, it's going to be free. Wow. <laughs> so I like, That's, That's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and then even just like uh, my kids can go to pre-K and I don't have to actually pay for their pre-K. So there's, you get schooling and then That's you also amazing. get Mm-hmm. And then you also get health benefits. Now I do have uh, my kids on my insurance because I prefer my benefits over the state, but it is still an option. So right. that's else to know. So, I mean, they really do help you. Other thing too, is when you decide that you want to foster and adopt, they ask you what you're looking for. So kid, the kids are classified based on their level of need. So there's basic, there's moderate, there's, there's advanced and so for us, we felt like we couldn't handle maybe moderate or above. So we asked, can we be, you know, considered for basic? And then also they will ask you, like, what ages are you looking for? So we said five and under. Um, and then we specifically wanted to adopt minority children only because not only, well, we are minorities, but outside of that, um, we found out that there are more minorities left in the system then actually enter the system. So there's always this misconception that there are like more African-American children, for example, in the system. Uh-huh. And we found out through training that that's not actually true. It's just that there are less uh, minority families that will basically enter and say, I'd like to adopt a minority or less okay. families that are adopting minorities. So we purposely came in and said, okay, well, we want to kind of help with that demographic. Um, yeah. so those are all things that like personal preference, whatever you decide you can ask for. Um, but they do, they do ask that. And so when you get calls for like a foster placement or even, um, the adoption broadcast, you can look and see one, why are they in the system? And then two, like all those different things, those attributes that I kind of just mentioned, you can look to see if that is in alignment with what you're looking for. You can always say no. So that's important. (laughs) Yeah. That's actually really good to know. I didn't know any of that. And is that consistent if you, cause I know you said you, y'all chose the route of having an agency. Is that the same case if you register direct with the state as well? Or do you know? Yeah, it's the same. Okay. It's the okay. same. Again, the agency, um, because they obviously know you a little bit more personally and you have um, like a caseworker, right. they're going to try to make sure that what they're calling you about or what they're suggesting for you, that it fits kind of what you've asked for. So they have yeah. it on file. And still, when I would get calls, I would say, okay, 
why was this kid removed? What's happening? You know, is this mm-hmm. the first time? Like all those things are things that are important and you can't feel ashamed to ask that because you want to be able to be the best home for that kid too. Right. So if it's that's like, you know, you like, I don't think I can do that. It's okay to say that because there's someone out there that hopefully will be able to. Yeah. So I definitely always say, ask those questions because it's going to affect the kid's life as much as it's going to affect your life. So. Yeah, that's such good advice. <laughs> yes, it is. I was going to ask, I know just from talking to you personally, when you, you know, saw your three kids, it was an immediate, like you knew they were your kids. I'd love yeah. to hear you kind of talk about that. Cause I, when you explained it to me, I was just like, got chills and it was really cool to hear. So I'd love to hear you talk about it on here a little bit. Yeah. So, um, with my son, we had been, like I said, we'd submitted for so many, but I remember because we'd submitted so for so many, my responses were usually like, yes, for sure. Like it submit us. But with his specifically, I like said something completely different than the rest. Um, and I was like, yes, oh my gosh. Like I was like super excited. It's like, I felt like it was going to happen. It was weird. Yeah. Uh, but it, we didn't get a call for him until like almost like two months or so after we'd submitted. So it was like completely unexpected. Oh, wow. Uh, and then if you see my son and I'll send you a picture that you can post him because he's adopted. Um, yeah. Looks literally like my husband and I created him. Like, yeah, he really I does. Pictures of my husband and it's weird. Like <laughs> he literally looks like our son. Yeah, uh, I feel like that happens so often. It's like it, it's always just the best feeling in the world to see. Even our nephew Bruin, he we feel the same way about um, Brian and Brandy and stuff. So I love that. I would love to see a picture. <laughs> yeah, and then my girls. Um, it's crazy because my youngest, she looks like my niece did when my niece was a baby. She looks like my family, and then my oldest daughter looks like my husband's family. No way. Yeah, it's just, it's really weird. And then I always, when I, I always wanted to name my daughter Savannah. So I've had that name like stored for a while. Um, But I also wanted my, one of my daughters to have um, the middle name Maria because Uh my mother's middle name is Maria. My abuela's middle name was Maria. My grandmother, uh, Marie. So it's like a family thing. Um, And so before we even knew what the girl's, middle names were like when we found out that we were going to get them we knew what their biological like first names were we didn't know anything else uh-huh. um, we were, like signing the paperwork and we had already said okay savannah maria is going to be our oldest and then um we we're signing the paperwork and we look and see that her middle name was already maria Whoa, so, <laughs> so crazy! Like, yeah it was like crazy we we're like this is meant um so we yeah. just kept her middle name and we're changing her first name And then my youngest daughter, we just could not figure out, like I kept looking at her picture, all the names that I had stored, I felt like didn't fit. And it just so happened. um, One day I was like watching Ellen. It was like the day before she was coming and there was a little girl on there named Kensley, Mm -hmm. but it was like spelled differently. And I was like playing with the name and the home that she was in was a respite home at the time. Like right, and I can explain that in a second what that means. But what's a respite home? (laughs) (laughs) The respite home that she was in, I was messaging with that woman, and it just so happened that her name was like very similar to the name we ended up choosing. Like her name was Mackenzie, but she kept texting me, "Hey, it's Kenzie." 
like while I was sitting there playing around with the names and I was like, okay, this is weird. I just feel like it's like all these signs yeah. um, ended up happening. So. Wow. That's so cool. And that you said they, the girls are both, they're fully biological sisters. Is that right? They are. Yes. Aw, that's so cool. Um, so I can you kind of brought up a good point while you were talking is just about the name changes and did how have did you see any effect from the children as far as just was that confusing to them were they not old enough yet how long did it take for them to kind of learn their new names and then also sorry and then also I would love to hear just kind of um I feel like kids are just so resilient but just how they kind of interacted with your son in those first, you know, days, weeks, and just, I guess, just kind of the raw adjustment of, you know, becoming one with each other. Yeah. So I, um, one of my best friends is actually adopted. And so I bounced, um, ideas off of her, Mm -hmm. her, her, uh, adopted parents renamed her, but they kept her biological name, her middle name. And so she told me one day that, she felt like that was the best thing they could do because she has other siblings that are their biological children. And um, the way that they named their kids was like A through E. Mm-hmm. And so she was a baby. So they, she, in order to fit, like she felt like she needed her name to be changed. Yeah. And so she was like, I felt special. I felt like they loved me. I felt like, you know, like I am really their family. And I, I appreciate that they took the time to think about what my name is. She was like, but I also felt like them keeping my biological name as my middle name will give me like that identity. So it was like a thing. So when she told me that, I'm like, that's good because that's really what I wanted to do. So with my son, I did just that. Um, His name is Elijah and I um, made his middle name, his bio name. Um, And then my girls, so Maria, like I said, was my daughter's biological middle name. So I kept that Mm -hmm. um, because- to be honest, my girls' um, first names, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> their biological <laughs> first names had like a and all kinds of stuff in it. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that to them. Um, <laughs> but I kept both of their middle names. Aww, so my oldest cool. has Maria and my youngest um, is Veronica. So. Yeah. Well, and didn't Savannah, she like walked into the house like, hey, mom. Like she was Aww. like knew you were her mom. Yeah. And were, she was like ready to go. She's like, this is my home. I've been waiting for you. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So um, Savannah is so special. She my husband, and I literally were just talking about this before I got on this um, podcast, but she is like unique. She like when people say like that kid's got it, like that kid's got it. Like she uh-huh. could probably be on TV. <laughs> So um, and so when she was in the respite home, I still have to explain that, yes. <laughs> but when she oh, was yes. in the respite home um, before she, they were preparing her for coming with us. So they like knew that they were coming to be with their forever mom and dad. And she was like asking questions to the respite mom to message me before she came. Like, <laughs> do they have a pool? Can you ask them if they have a pool? They have a dog. <laughs> like, so she was like communicating with me before then. And so when the doorbell rang, I'll never forget it. Um, that respite mom was amazing and took them to get flowers for me. Aww. And so I opened the door and these two little girls are on my doorstep with flowers. So and cute. Savannah just walked in. She's like, hey, mom. Walked <laughs> in. Like she only went straight to her room. Like knew where it was. Um, went to my 
went to my son and was like, hi, brother. Like, just instant. Aww, wow. Um, my youngest is a little bit longer, but she's she's super resilient too. And so she just was more observant, I feel. So she's just kind of like waited a little bit. But she was automatically like attached to my husband. Oh, she was cute. like, she's a different girl. Yeah. Yeah. So and remind me, so Savannah was how old when you first got her? Four. Okay, four. So she turned five months after we got her yep yeah okay that's adorable I'm like I have to meet I have to meet your family I know <laughs> they're so cute. That's so cute okay so, so what is the rest what's it called rest at home yeah rest it yes so basically and this is a good way for those of you that are listening that want to know how you could maybe maybe test out fostering um, so respite is um, a home that gets licensed where you're saying like I don't necessarily want long-term placements and I'm not sure that I want to adopt either but I still want to help and I still want to like be a home for these kids when I can um, so respite homes are like temporary so okay, if okay. like let's say um, a foster family has to go out of town and for whatever reason the kid can't go which if you have a foster child and there is still any kind of family involved before they terminate rights, you have to get approval to take them out of town. So there are some that'll be like, no, you can't take my kid. And there'll be, there'll be others that'll be like, fine. So when we had our foster son and daughter, we went out of town and our, unfortunately our foster daughter wasn't allowed to go, but our foster son was. So in examples like that, they have to go somewhere. Um, and so yeah. there's respite homes that basically are kind of babysitters and they do okay. short term. So they'll like keep them for the weekend. Or in like our instance, they had to be removed from a home and then placed somewhere just for the weekend until they came to us. So they were just like in that respite home. So that's a way that you can like test out what it's like to foster. Um, or if it's just something like some people, sometimes people just do that. Like they do it for years. It's just their way to like kind of help the, the help. system. Yeah. That's cool. So no. What would you tell someone, and I kind of have my um, like personal feelings around this, but I'd love to hear what you would say. If somebody was, you know, it's like they have a heart for fostering, but their just biggest fear is, you know, I, I literally could just not handle the pain of having to, if it wasn't a foster to adopt situation, just foster, straight fostering. If they said, you know, I just don't have... I'm not strong enough to like love on them and then have to let them go. Do you, what would your response be to somebody that said that? Um, well, there's two things like I, I it's definitely not for everyone and I definitely mm -hmm. understand that. And I think it's important for people to recognize it when it's not for them, but I do, I guess I'm one of those people that I think that life is really unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And so there is no way to, to really know what's going to happen in any situation. Right. There's no way to know what's going to happen in fostering. There's no way to know what's going to happen in birthing. There's just no way, you know what I mean? And so yeah. I just believe in, in God's will. And I believe that, um, this is what I've been called to do. And so if I, if there's someone that's actually called to do that, then I think you kind of have to, yes, like self care, take time in between placements and like, you know, really understand that that's important, but also mm -hmm. just recognize that like these kids also didn't ask to be in this position right? and imagine their feelings, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the times that you did foster and then, um, they left you, what were those emotions like for you? Um, so the first time I, I cried, definitely mm -hmm. cried. 
Um, I think I got a little stronger by the time my second placement had to leave. My third placement, I will be honest, was I think the hardest for me to 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 leave, and I think it's because um, he was here the longest. So my second placement went home a couple months before he did. So mm-hmm. I actually had my now son and then my foster son at the same time. Um, and is that your and, now but, godson? Yeah, he's my now okay. godson. But it was we we just have a bond, like the Aww. bond that I have with him. I think was is unique, Aww, and so yeah. I love all of them equally. But it was just different, and so it was a lot harder for me. Especially when you have um, the kids that long, sometimes in your mind, you don't know like, okay, well, maybe this is going to go towards adoption. I don't know. Because right. usually when it gets to like a year, that's when they're starting to think about termination because mm-hmm. they try not to like let it go out longer than that. So it's really rare actually after 12 months that they're still keeping a case open. Okay. I loved what you said about life is unpredictable. And it reminds me of our, we moved out to Virginia last year and, um, I, my next door neighbor, she's awesome. And she has two biological children and then they adopted their now 15 year old from China when she was an infant. And we were chatting one night and I just loved her perspective on it. Um, cause I guess a lot of people, back when they were considering adopting, we're like, aren't you scared about just like, you have no idea what her medical situation is or, um, you know, biologically, like how they're going to turn out and all this stuff. And, and she said, you know what, we, both my husband and I were just like, you know what, my, you know, my mom had five of us. I don't remember how many, but she was talking about her siblings and she was like, you know, four of us turned out all right. And then one of them is freaking crazy. So even with biological, you never know, you never know what they're going to turn into. And, um, and she was like, so our outlook was, yeah, I mean, life, exactly what you said, Rachel, she was like, it's unpredictable. So, you know, you either want it or you don't, and you just go for it and don't, you know, you can't just dwell on like what the what ifs and what could be. But it was the first time that I heard somebody just kind of say, like, relate it to that. Like, you know what, there's a lot of people out there who have crazy biological children and it's not what they thought they were getting you know the argument of like nature versus nurture and I get yeah. that um my husband and I were just talking about this today as well but it's like you know you things can happen like there are things that god forbid could come up that we might not be prepared for right. but to your point like that's the same thing with birthing your own children and the reality is like your nature that you're passing down isn't just from you it's like from generations before you too so you have no idea like what is your bloodline you know what I mean so yeah totally (laughs) love it is there any other things you can suggest like if people are like you know I don't know if I want to foster or adopt but I would love to help out like the system is there anything that you can suggest for people to do that a way for them to reach out or help or anything yeah so definitely respite and outside of that um, you can get like licensed through an agency like get approved to be a babysitter so like you could even you know say hey I want to like offer my services to like the families that are in, you know, like in your agency. And if they ever need a babysitter, I'm a licensed person that can babysit. So that's an idea. 
Um, outside of that, there are so many different organizations that are out there. Um, one that I love a lot is Foster Village. So there's a lady that I want to say she's from here, but she's now has chapters all throughout Texas. She basically buys, um, well, she started off buying like a bunch of different items that like foster families would need. So from bottles to like clothes to anything and it ended up becoming really big and she ended up getting um donated a uh what's it called like a space what do they call them like a storage space mm-hmm. a storage space yeah so she like now goes and gets these different storage spaces um donated and people now donate items or go buy items and she has like storage spaces full of stuff and so when you get a placement it can be kind of scary because you don't know you can try to prepare, but you don't know what age you're going to get. So like if yeah. I say I'm going to take five and under and I now have set up a nursery for a three-month-old, well, that's not going to help me. Yeah. So it's hard to kind of prepare. So um, what they have is you can actually go on their website and fill out like all the things that you think you'll need or like what your placement will be. So it's a girl and she's five and these are the things that I think she's coming with. And these are the things she doesn't have. And they literally have volunteers that work around the clock that will go to the storage space, gather the things that you need and leave it on your doorstep. It is the most amazing thing. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Like I've needed car seats. I've needed high chairs and they've literally given me everything from beds to it's just amazing. So working with them, volunteering with them and even just donating things to them. And then if you have kids and you have, you know, items that they don't use anymore, it's always good to try to find organizations like that. And there are so many other ones that you can just donate to. Um, and, and on Facebook, there's a ton of groups. If you just start to, to type in like central Texas, um, foster or just like foster and adopt, there's all these groups that you can join. Um, and a lot of them are like, places where people swap stuff so there's one here in Austin that I'm in and people say hey I don't need this crib anymore who wants it and things like that are also things that you could do yeah that's really cool well I just had one kind of backing up a little bit just you obviously are just a badass and (laughs) working full-time you have you own your own company everything that you're involved in I just really admire you and um I would love to talk to you offline as well just per- about our personal journey too but um I kind of wanted to know just from as a mom standpoint I know you mentioned that you had a friend who was adopted but um as far as like support and just how you uh approach you know, being a mom of adopted children, do you, what's kind of been your go-to resource, obviously you and your husband, um, as if like the state offers any type of service or if you just have to find that on your own. And if so, who did you reach out to? Um, so definitely those groups are very big resources. And when I have questions, even I'll just pop in one of those Facebook groups and like post it. And there's so many people there that are like able to help. And the people that are in the group too, there's like foster parents, past foster parents, adoptive parents, but there's also like lawyers and different things that like specialize. So I've found some really good connections that way. Um, and then obviously my agency. So if I have questions, the agency, that's another reason why I think it's good to go through one. They yeah. obviously have everything. So I'll like, you know, ask my caseworker or ask Mercer. Yeah. And what's his um, what's his agency called again? I'm forgetting. Lone Star. Lone Star. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Just for people so, in Texas if you're looking for one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they're amazing. And there's there's quite a few that are amazing, but yeah, so I think um 
definitely if you are with an agency, they can help. Um, whenever I have questions, I can go to my agency. So that's why it's important to like make sure you pick um, an agency that you feel like not only you can trust, but is like knowledgeable. Yeah. Uh, when I have questions, I go to my caseworker, Mercer, like whoever. Um, so yeah, that's one of the benefits. If you go through the state, then it's kind of hard to get answers if I'm honest. Right. Um, so yeah. That's, that's a good point. Well, that is such good information. And we just thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I know that I've learned a lot and I look forward to talking to you offline. My husband and I have a lot of talking too, but um, it's just good to know somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Just to know somebody else in this world who's in the foster adoption world that we can reach out to. So thank you, Rachel. And we just appreciate you so much. Yes, we do. And where can people kind of fo- follow you and follow along with your story? So you can look up at the only Rachel on Instagram. Um, my website is www.herstorylives.com. And then um, we actually started a YouTube channel called The Adoption Story. And it's pretty new, oh, but cool. there are a couple videos there. And one of them actually shows my son's adoption. And then there's also one of my husband and I just talking about like our journey. So um, there will be more. So if you look oh, cool. for that, that's another way. Yay, that's awesome. And Sweet. for the listeners, we'll put those links in the show notes so that way we can all go check Rachel out and follow along with your story and um, just reach out to you if, if, um, if we have questions. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, guys. Yes, and then... Yeah. And if the, I don't know if you have one, no worries if you don't, but if you want to give us a challenge for the week, that's what we do um, at the end of every episode. Yeah. So my challenge for you guys is to find a organization in your area that you can get involved with. So whether it be volunteering one day or donating some items or, you know, whatever capacity, just find something in your area. And I think when you do that, you'll find probably your own little passion for it as well. And just kind of a way that you can commit, commit and also support um, children in your area. That's awesome. I love, love it. I love that. Thank you. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. <laughs> Bye. 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 Have a great week.